Hey folks, welcome to a new episode of Glenn is Talking Man from New York. So it's been a couple of weeks since I actually recorded and posted an episode. So we're not only were we into September, but it's almost officially fall and September will be over soon. And you know, usually this time of year, a little later on, around October, the closer we get to Halloween, like many people, I start watching horror movies. But I started a little early this year. As soon as like September came, all of a sudden felt the need to watch like scary movies. I don't know if I was like subconsciously trying to train myself or prepare myself for the rest of this election season. But you know, horror movies are a good way, I think, to sort of uh, process emotions of fear and anxiety. And a couple ones I watched recently, I watched an adaptation of a classic tale that you definitely know of, Dracula, from about maybe 14 years ago, uh, starring Dan Stevens, who most people know from Downton Abbey, and uh, David Suchet, who of course many people know from his portrayal as Hercule uh, Agatha Christie's uh, most f- famous detective. And it was it was entertaining. It was good. It was a little different from other adaptations that I've seen. I also watched uh, recently last night. I watched the movie called The Girl on the Third Floor, starring uh, CM Punk, who, if you don't know, was a very famous professional wrestler. He's still very famous. He's not a professional wrestler anymore. Uh, he retired from wrestling. Uh, made, you know, went to do MMA. Did not have much success. Uh, but still a very popular guy. Uh, so if you just look up the name CM Punk, you're, the people who adore him, a very talented guy. And I, I think this was his first acting performance. It's actually pretty good. But it was a good sort of Saturday night horror movie to watch. I also watched another movie, which I've been meaning to watch for years, but for some reason I've always avoided, called The Witch, uh, released originally about five years ago, 2015. Uh, it takes place in 1600s, deals with accusations of witchcraft. And of course, when you think of witchcraft, you think of the Salem witch trials, right? Which you probably touched on a little bit in school. They only told you a little bit about it. They, they didn't really go into the details about the Salem witch trials. But you know the story. Uh, young women accused of dealing with black magic and cavorting with the devil. Now you think about the 1600s. It wasn't much of a social life. It wasn't, there weren't any nightclubs. There wasn't a Starbucks. So, I mean, what else could you do but cavort with the devil, right? Wasn't really too many other options, but but as I'm watching uh, uh, these movies, I think nothing really compares to sort of the horror story that we are living in right now uh, in the United States of America. And no doubt about it, it is a horror story. Uh, about over 200,000 dead from COVID-19. We've seen these fires out in the West, uh, which have have decimated uh, land, have had people flee their homes. In fact, the smoke from uh, from these fires traveled all the way over here to New York, which is not what I want. Like, if something's going to be imported from, like, California or uh, somewhere else in the West Coast, I don't want smoke fires, maybe, like, some some wine from the Napa Valley, or I don't know, people, I don't know, 
roller skating on boardwalks with bikinis. I, I don't know, but anything about that. But it's just been a crazy, crazy, horrific time, I think, this year. 2020 has been one hell of a year. And, of course, things went to even more of a frenzy Friday night with the announcement that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died at the age of 87. Uh, Social justice in the Supreme Court, uh, a feminist icon, uh, probably, you know, at this point, the most well-known Supreme Court justice. You know, you see people with the RBG shirts, and there's documentaries about her, a very popular figure. But, of course, her death has just ignited an even bigger flame when it comes to politics as we... Uh, talking about appointing a Supreme Court justice during the election year, which is interesting because uh, a couple of years ago we had the Supreme Court opening during the election year, and uh, a certain Senate majority leader was not interested in seating that. So, hmm, very interesting. But as we try to uh, sort of navigate uh, through these uh, really uh, horrible times, uh, I think we have to sort of sort of take note. It's very easy to be consumed by so much of what is happening. And, you know, we talk about the fires out west. And fires can be either destructive or they can be renewing. Uh, They can create warmth. They can uh, shine a light. But they also can destroy. And I think with everything's happening, uh, we can be so overwhelmed by whatever's happening, how we sort of take it in and how we process it and then put it out there. That we can either be consumed by it, or we can find a way to to make it uh, positive, or to use it in a positive manner. I recently came across a quote from uh, Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan monk, who, uh, a very influential thought leader in, uh, in, in today's modern Christianity. And he said that pain, if you don't transform it, you will only transmit it. And I thought, wow, because you look at just look at the landscape of what's happening in this country. You see the anger. Uh, a lot of this is rooted in pain, and a lot of that pain comes from this frustration, and a lot of that deals with you know ignorance. Cause, and I'm not meaning that in a sort of pejorative way to insult people, but when you just don't know, and then you sort of are fed information that sort of that is sort of designed to make you angry. It can you can become a very destructive force, even if you don't think so. And I, I think it's true that if you don't transform your pain, you will transmit it. You will spread misery to others. You will inflict uh, pain on other people uh, for uh, a number of reasons. And as we are getting closer to election day, and you know, sort of people's tempers are. Uh, are, are very uh, sensitive right now. People's mindsets are, you know, sort of almost like in a, you, you know, well, they say fight, uh, fight or flight, right? Uh, when you're in a situation where it is potentially dangerous. And for many people, this is dangerous. We've seen violence. We, we've seen uh, people's lives in danger. We've seen horrible things. So, and I think people are rightfully concerned and aware. 
And I think the danger is, of course, when we become overwhelmed and we let the fear and the anger take over and direct us instead of directing the fear and anger uh, somewhere uh, where we can do good or we can at least take care of ourselves. Now, fear, and a lot of what is happening right now is based on fear, but there's different kinds of fear. There's obviously the fear of the unknown, of what that unknown could mean to you. Could it be danger? Uh, could you be hurt? Could someone you love be hurt? But there's also like the sort of fear that someone is getting, like someone is sort of putting one over on you, that you're sort of being conned, right? That you're being scammed. And that fear causes you to sort of lash out. It's sort of any insights, right? Because you, cause you think someone's trying to pull the wool over your eyes. So this fear of uh, sort of uh, being wrong or being led astray. And that fear, if it overtakes you, can lead you to leading yourself astray. Uh, because now you're sort of just rejecting uh, sort of any notion. Instead of sort of sitting down, like sort of processing and being like, okay, let's take an account of what is happening, or what is going on with the facts. And this, you know... We're, 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 like I mentioned this before in another episode, we're at an interesting point in sort of our, our country's history in the United States of America and global uh, history. If you think about everything that's happened overseas with, uh, you know, Brexit and, you know, so many things are happening in the Middle East right now. So we're just sort of we're at a very interesting time period where I think, you know, it goes without saying that this is going to be looked back as a significant year in history. If there still are history books in, you know, another 20, 30 years, people are going to really definitely be studying 2020 and saying 2020 was this important. I remember uh, taking a class many years ago. It actually was a podcasting class, but it was sort of history and podcasting where we did a podcast about history. And we focused on one particular year. So we're trying to find a year to focus on. So we focus on 1960 because 1960 was definitely uh, sort of a major sort of sort of moment where so many different things were happening. You saw like the commercial use of birth control. You saw uh, I don't know how many more than dozens of African nations declare independence. Uh, we've had you know. John F. Kennedy became president of the United States. We had sort of these major cultural and political shifts happen in this one year uh, that would go on to not only define a good part of that decade, but in many ways, the life that we're living now. You could could say that uh, many of these battles of the 60s that are such a, a big part of American history and that definitely stuff that you go over in school when you're just studying social studies or history uh, many of these battles and conflicts from that time period in many ways are still going on they've just been extended uh, to now so sort of these, these culture wars these, these major political battles these huge sort of debates over sort of these consequential sort of dynamics of how this country operates how the world 
how what culture is are still happening right now. And they started, you know, they didn't start, but definitely reached a, a major inflection point uh, during the 1960s. Now, if you could bring back some of the cool stuff in the 60s, so just the political conflict and, you know, the intensity of that, maybe, like, there's a lot of cool fashions in the 60s. There was tons of cool music from, you know, what was going on in rock and roll, and then, you know, the folk scene a little bit later in the psychedelic era. So, I mean, if you're going to bring everything back from that time period, you're going to bring all the, 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 like, horrible, like, sort of intense, stressful stuff. Let's bring back some of the cool stuff, you know. Let's, like, you know, let's, let's bring back go-go dancing or something. So there's definitely um, a lot going on. You know what I miss? I miss that time period of, like, the sort of mid to late 90s going past a little bit past like 2000 we were like right on the edge of the 21st century uh and there was still all of this so much hope it was pre 9-11 so we didn't have to deal with sort of the impact that had on our psyche and you know it was just you know the internet was emerging as a big part of our lives but it wasn't like sort of at the center like the way it is now um popular music was diverse and good everything from you know alternative rock to r&b to pop to uh, you know folk uh, sort of like the i guess nouveau folk whatever you want to call it but there was a lot of good stuff happening uh around the scene maybe the fashions were not that you know great but it was, it was a very interesting time uh, it was a sort of a fun time and I think one of my favorite moments from this time period, so like through the mid to late 90s, was going to the movies with some friends that I, I went to high school with. We had graduated uh, by now, but we had you know, had decided to meet up and go to a movie. We went to, to the movies in Times Square. We went to see a movie called Scream. Now, Scream was directed by Wes Craven, who, of course... Um, and you know from his works, so Nightmare on Elm Street probably being his most famous uh, film. It was written by Kevin Williamson, who later went on to write and uh, produce Dawson's Creek. But Scream was uh, it was a horror movie that had a lot of kind of comedy in it. It was very self-referential to the, the genre of horror, and you know, had you know Nev Campbell was the lead, uh, David Arquette, uh, his then wife Courtney Cox. Uh, and I just remember being in the movie theater with a uh, a crowd, a crowded movie theater, Friday night, Times Square, rambunctious and just reacting to every single thing. And I, I'd say it's one of the most fun movie theater experiences I went to. And of course, if you know about Scream, Scream is about a mass killer going around um, killing uh, young people in this small town in California. And they went on to spawn a bunch, a couple of sequels. In fact, they just announced that they're going to do another one. Some almost 25 years after the first one. There's going to be a, a new Scream and it's going to star the, the original cast members. So that should be interesting. 
But uh, what was interesting about Scream is that essentially, uh, for the most part, the characters kind of knew they were in the settings of a horror movie. And basically the only way to survive was sort of try to go by the rules of what they had seen in horror movies. And I started off the podcast talking about how, you know, America is sort of like a horror movie right now, right? And, and I've been watching these horror films. And maybe they're sort of process all these uh, crazy feelings uh, about uh, what is happening. And the thing about uh, horror films, it doesn't matter almost any decade. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're American horror movies or, or British horror films or some, somewhere else. There are a couple of things that kind of stay the same, right? Meaning, if there's a strange noise and you go to check it out, you might be checking out. And right now, in the political landscape of America, there's a lot of strange noises. Now, we can check them out, but we should be careful how we check them out. We should, we should be a little worried of what is happening. Uh, another thing, especially in sort of the modern version of horror films, is that there's always going to, there's usually more than one killer. Traditional horror movies is basically just one guy. And Scream, uh, spoilers for you, there's more than one killer. And if you think what is happening right now in America, we're dealing with the pandemic, uh, COVID-19, which I mentioned before, where 200,000 people uh, have died, or we're at 200,000 people. So we're dealing with that, but we're also dealing with this even without COVID-19, we would see that our political system is simply, it's, it is not working. It's, uh, it's not, I want broken is a word, it's, it's not, it's just not working. So we have a pandemic uh, with a political system uh, that cannot rise to meet the occasion. Now, government can do that. The government has the resources and the ability but when you have a when you have a politics so out of line uh, with what people need, and you, and you don't have that disconnection from governance and politics, there used to be a time where okay, politics were politics, but when it came time to actual governing, then that was a little bit, that was sort of nonpartisan. There were certain things that needed to be done, but now that governance has become just another partisan tool and weapon. You take that with some of the problems we have with either the pandemic or we have fires. So we have more than one killer in this uh, American horror story uh, that we're living in. And uh, another thing that you sort of uh, take away from horror films is that uh, the ending is never quite the end. Even when you think that things are over, the movie's over, the the killer may have been caught or may have been stopped. There's always like one last sort of uh, gasp or grasp, a uh, gasp in the grasp uh, from the killer. Now we're not at that point yet in our film because we don't know how our story is going to end. And there's so many twists and turns uh, that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months. And I think anyone who tells you that they know for sure what's going to happen uh, in the next few months or next year, definitely. I mean, 
either they're a psychic or they're a time traveler or, you know, they're just really confident. I just don't believe it. Like, I'm trying to use my imagination. And I have a pretty vivid imagination. And I've been trying to imagine what will 2021 look like. And to be honest with you, I don't know. It would be more the same. God, I hope not. Seriously, I another another year, like the year that we've had now, no thank you. Uh, what we definitely don't want and what we definitely don't need is a sequel to 2020. Uh, we don't want a franchise uh, from this uh, experience that we are living. Uh, it's, you know, Hollywood, they often reboot uh, movies. I would love to have a reboot of 2020. In fact, come January uh, 2021, it would be nice if we just kind of say, you know what? Let's just not even go to 2021. Let's just redo 2020 over again. Everyone stays the same age. Uh, you know, we just restart. We will we will try to uh, uh, redo this year for the history books. So that when people do, do look back on 2020, maybe they can say, oh, wow, it seemed like there was some weird stuff going on. But suddenly things seem to correct themselves. We don't quite know what happened. We're going to leave a little mystery for future uh, historians uh, about what is happening right now uh, in this day and age uh, in the world. Now I was um, watching. I watch a lot of YouTube videos because uh, I don't know. Just even though YouTube now has too many commercials, just to be honest, YouTube. Like seriously, I'm in the middle of watching like a five minute video, and all of a sudden uh, an ad comes up and like. I'm like, someone was, like, speaking mid-sentence, maybe. I'm like, come on. But still, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. And they vary from lectures uh, to, like, lifestyle videos. People either living on boats or living in vans or people just living. I like a lot of, even though I'm new, I'm in New York, I, I like watching content about New York. I like watching, you know, definitely the, the apartment searches. Uh, there's one particular YouTuber, Cash Jordan. He's a real estate agent. So basically, he just he shows apartments, and you know, mostly in Manhattan, some in Brooklyn, and of course, we all know, anytime anyone talks about rents, especially in New York City, we talk about how damn expensive it is and how crazy it is. Even though because of the crisis, I think, I think vacancy rates in Manhattan are like at an all time, well not an all time high, but like maybe like a fifteen year high, something like that. But because of the pandemic, we are actually going through an eviction crisis in the United States of America. I believe this this like they said with thirty million people maybe on the verge of losing their home. Now where the hell are they going to go? Where are they going to do? This is such a I don't know. It's it it's such a devastating thing to think of. And you know, like I said before, we need to. You know, I talk about the horror movie and the horror tropes. Well, in every horror movie, there's always a hero. Uh, someone who's kind of, like, is steadfast and courageous. And the people who are really courageous, of course, have been the frontline workers and the, the, the people who work in the hospitals and the people who are still delivering mail and doing everything we need to do to function in society. And the people who are just trying to survive. Uh, I saw recently a... A documentary from Frontline on PBS, which of course 
almost every frontline documentary is really good. It's r- rarely do you watch anything from them, and you're like, that kind of sucked. I didn't learn anything. But, you know, usually frontline, you get something. So it was a couple weeks ago. It's about poverty in America during COVID, and it focused on three different families, uh, all single moms. They're all in different parts of Ohio, trying to navigate, trying to survive during this pandemic while making sure their kids do get an education, making sure there's food on the table. And it just makes you think that how how strong so many of our citizens are who every single day they get up and their main focus is how do I get through this day? I mean, how do I make sure my kids are okay and my kids have a meal? How do I make sure this light bill stays on? How do I make sure this rent gets paid? Uh, how do I make sure my car can still run? Uh, how do I get to my job? How do I make sure my kids can, you know, just have a treat uh, or have a, a decent pair of sneakers or a decent pair of clothes so that, you know, they can feel good about themselves? So there are so many people who who are in this battle. It's everyday battle to survive. And I don't only I'm not gonna get too much into like the sort of economic policies. I definitely think we should raise the minimum wage, and I definitely even if that means the government has to subsidize a higher minimum wage. I know there are some businesses like we can't afford the minimum wage because we go out of business. Well, then fine, then we'll we'll find a way. We can do that. But if you think about how tough and resilient just the average or just working. Uh, class American is just trying to m- make it through the day and you know trying to just find a little bit of peace and happiness while also surviving and you know putting a roof over their head or raising kids or, or just you know being here being alive being here is a victory in itself and there's so many folks who are doing that every day and like I said before in many ways that gives me some hope because I know, it, despite everything that's going on, despite all the horrible things and, and the fear and the anxiety, uh, I know at our core, we are a resilient people. Uh, we are strong people. We, we, even across our many differences from culturally to, to politically, ethnicity, religion, we... Uh, we we can do this, folks, and and this of course this is more than an American thing. We see this all around the globe. People every day who are just making it work somehow, some way. Uh, you may say it's you know maybe through the grace of God, and you might say it's just plain luck, uh, but they are doing it. So on that note, I want to thank you for listening to Glenn is talking man from New York. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Glenn Price. Man, you know the deal. That's Glenn with two N's, Price, man with two N's. Take care of yourself.